I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. On this episode of Power of the Towel, this is my this is my version of Jordan's flu game. I'm I'm playing I'm playing her in this one. In this episode of Power of the Towel, we talk about the Canucks' upcoming crucial road trip, especially a three-game stretch that I'm going to talk about. We talk about Travis Green. Is he on the hot seat if they don't make the playoffs? I think if you listen to Sipping on a 40, you know where I stand on that. Are the Canucks in cap hell? And what happened to Jordy Ben? Plus, an interview with the one and only David Quadrelli. We have our usual segments at the end. And I give my quick thoughts on the passing of the great Kobe Bryant. Should be a good one. You'll be saying wow every time you use this towel. He's not a person at all. He's a towel. You're a towel. But in Vancouver, mainly it's all about towel power. Are you ready? All right, welcome to another episode of Power of the Towel. Brilliant new intro. Thank you to Cal Bound for helping me out with that. Actually, that that's a bit of a misnomer. He pretty much did 99% of that. It was just the one suggesting the sounds. But yeah, great, great new intro. Thank you to Cal Bound for helping, me, uh, helping us out with that one. And yeah, it's been... Um, been a pretty quiet week for the uh, for the Vancouver Canucks overall. I mean, they had the All Star game, which I didn't watch at all. I just feel like I'm 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 25 years old, about to be 26 in a couple months. I got no interest in the All Star game. I know who the All Star game is for, and it's not me. It's for the kids, for the youth. So I have I have no I did not watch a single second of the skills competition or the All Star game. Just putting that out there in case you were coming here for some All Star breakdown or whatever. I was I was I was I was working. I didn't really care. But what we can talk about is a few storylines circling around the the Vancouver Canucks. And I want to start off with just all this Ring of Honor talk. Like the big big one is was Ryan Kessler deserved to be in the Ring of Honor. That was one going around. I saw I saw a few people on Twitter talking about it and I mean Ryan Kessler, my thoughts on Ryan Kessler are just he was a great player for the Vancouver Canucks, obviously for that for that stretch in the uh, in the glory days, so to say. Who can forget his performance against Nashville in the in the playoffs? The same year, he scored forty one goals. He was he was brilliant. Gave it all out for the Vancouver Canucks. No one can take that away from him. But can we chill with this kind of Ring of Honor talk? Like for a franchise that has won zero cups in its fifty years of existence. People are in some sort of rush to like retire and honor every single player. Who's who's on the who's on the Ring of Honor right now? You've got Alex Burrows, Harold Snaps, Orlan Kernback, and Kirk McLean. I would I would venture two of those two of those, at least two, don't deserve to be there. Like Harold Snaps? I'm sorry, I'm looking up his stats right now. I'm sure he was, you know, a fan favorite. But I'm, he's just so 
a far ahead of my time. I have no way. Like, why are we honoring this guy? Sure, he played on the 1982 team. Played for a few seasons. But he wasn't he wasn't that great. In the in the high flying 80s, he was put up like 20 points a season. That's like a five-point defenseman. Like the Canucks are in such a rush to honor all these all these players. Like we haven't won a cup in 50 years. Let's chill with all this ring of honor retiring numbers talk. Like the Stan Smeal even deserved to be in the ring of honor. I, I, get, I get he was a longtime captain in the 80s, but he was an okay player. Obviously, the Sedins deserve to be up there. Pavel Burry as well, like absolute 60-goal scorer. Won a couple of major awards. My opinion is if you didn't win a major award with the Vancouver Canucks, you maybe don't deserve to have your number retired or maybe be in the ring of honor with a couple exceptions. I think Alex Burrows, just for how long he played, and he did score 30 goals, which is pretty impressive. But, I mean, Harold Steps. Point high was 31 points in 78-79. He was a minus 27. Was he was he that great of a defenseman? He retired in 1991, three years before I was born, so I don't know. I'm going to venture that he probably he was probably a bit overrated by Canucks fans. I mean, they had, Quinn Hughes might already be the best defenseman in Canucks history. It's been 50 years, and he's been played like maybe one full season. So, yeah, Ryan Kessler in the ring of honor, I don't know. Don't get me wrong, he was a great player for the Vancouver Canucks, but maybe, just maybe, we don't have to honor every single player considering we haven't won it. Like, it's, we're approaching ridiculous right now. How many players we have, like, retired or honored that we haven't won a single cup. I, I, I'm calling it right now. I say let's put a moratorium from this point forward after Sedin's on any player number retired or in a ring of honor until we win a cup. And then we can reassess. Because so what do you do when the Canucks finally win a cup? And like then people are going to want to you know, annoy every, put every player in the ring of honor. Yeah. But until then, until the Canucks win a cup, I'm calling it, I want a moratorium on every ring of honor number retirement. I'm, I'm done with it. I'm done with it. Moving on to the more recent Canucks. This version of the Vancouver Canucks. Yes, this version of the Vancouver Canucks. They had a crucial road trip coming up, especially a three-game stretch I want to I wanna highlight. Saturday, Saturday morning, they play the New York Islanders. Very well-coached team, very structured team, playing out in Brooklyn. It, interesting to see how that game turns out. They're playing a uh, Hurricanes team that, by all accounts, should be doing a lot better than they are. And then Tuesday night, they play the Boston Bruins game 18 or... However many game, however many games it is, never forget 2011. Never forget. But that stretch might be might be pretty key. It might be a good you know litmus test to see where the Canucks stand in terms of the playoffs. If they if they can win all three, if they can win two or three, you I think you can feel pretty good about about this team. If they lose all three, if they you know maybe barely squeak out one win, it might be. It might be time to maybe you know reassess the team, but I'm I'm looking at the most recent Canucks schedule. I know they're at the time of recording this, they're about to play the St. Louis Blues tonight. But I'm looking at that three game stretch: Islanders, Hurricanes, Boston, all on the road. I want to see how they do in that stretch. I think that's going to go a long way. And speaking of those games, the, yes, the Islanders and the Hurricanes games are in the morning on a weekend. Now I know for a lot of these Eastern. 
U.S.-based teams, they play a lot of matinee games for whatever reason. You know, you always see, like, like I, I always, I know, like, Philly always plays a bunch on, like, Sunday, more Sunday at, like, 1, I guess, 11 a.m., 1, 1 Eastern, whatever local time it is. They always play around 10, 11 in the morning, right? It's very much like an Eastern U.S. thing. But, man, look, I hate, I hate, hate these early, early weekend games. Most of the time on the weekend, it's a Saturday morning, Sunday morning. You're hungover. You just want to sleep in a bit. But, oh, yeah, the Canucks are playing at 10. Hockey should be played at night. It is a nighttime under the bright lights sport. I don't want to see the Canucks playing at 10 a.m. That's an ungodly hour for a Canucks game. And especially on Sunday at 11 a.m., Super Bowl Sunday. Why is the NHL playing any any games on that Sunday at all? That's for the Super Bowl. I want to... I want to wake up, I want to start eating chicken wings and watching like the five hours of pregame for the Super Bowl. That's what I want to do Sunday. But I got to watch, but I got to watch the Canucks play the Hurricanes. I mean, I guess I don't have to, but you know, considering I'm doing a podcast on the Vancouver Canucks, I feel like I should probably watch that game. Man, all I want to do Sunday is, you know, relax before the Super Bowl. And I can't do that now because they're playing the Carolina Hurricanes at 11. That game's going to be done at 1.30. I guess I'll have a bit of time to relax before the Super Bowl starts at 3. But I don't, want to have to, I don't want to have to make that choice. I'm sorry, folks. I do not want to have to make that choice. And even the, the, Saturday, the Saturday game against the Islanders might be even more egregious. That's at 10 a.m. on a Saturday. The whole city's going to be you know, partying up on a Friday night. Just finished a work week. They want to, they want to party. And then 10 a.m., they got to wake up like if they... Bet you, like, how many people are not going to watch this Canucks game just because it's at 10 a.m. on a Saturday? Like, oh, yeah, shit, they're playing at 10 a.m. today. I say next season, if anyone in the Vancouver Canucks or the NHL, if you're listening, don't make the Canucks play these these early weekend games. No one in Vancouver is watching that. We're not, a lot of casual fans are not waking up that early. We got no interest, man. Zero interest. Now, if you listen to a recent episode of Sipping on 4, we talked about Travis Green. And his future with the Vancouver Canucks. I know I read Rick Dollywall's article for The Athletic. And he pretty much said, like, extension's going to get done. And I've been saying since the beginning of the year, man, what happens if the Canucks make the playoffs? Don't make the playoffs, sorry. Is Travis Green still going to be with the team? I've always said, look, there's not many coaches who survived three years in the NHL with no playoffs. You know, you go, it's pretty, there's a lot, there's good coaching candidates out there. There's Gerard Gallant. There's Peter Laviolette. There's some big-time coaching vacancies out there. Like, if Travis, if the Canucks, God forbid, don't make the playoffs at this point, which is a very real possibility. I know they're leading the division as of right now, but there's it's a very fine line between winning the division and not making the playoffs this year. That's how it's going to work out. But if Travis Green misses and the Canucks miss the plus, do you, think, do you think he sticks around? Do you think Jim Benning sticks around? You know, both these guys are pretty much intrinsically tied this season to making the playoffs. You know, Jim Benning made a lot of all-in moves to make the playoffs. He signed Tyler Myers. He traded a first for JT Miller. We know all these moves. But if the Vancouver Canucks do not make the playoffs, I'm saying it right now, and I've been saying it since the beginning of the season, I don't think Travis Green survives. And I don't think maybe, maybe Jim Benning survives. That's it. The trade deadline is, is coming up for the Vancouver Canucks, and the question has been posed, are the Canucks in cap hell? That was Rick Dollywall's most recent article. I think it was the same article as talking about Travis Green. Are the Canucks in cap hell? 
And the answer is yes, they are. You don't have they don't have much room to maneuver. Maneuver. Oh, I can't, I can't. Oh, I'm sorry, folks. I'm, I'm I'm very sick this week. I've been battling a cold. I took some of these, you know, vitamin C pills we have in the studio. That's clearly not working. But if the Vancouver Canucks are have to make the playoffs this year to save some jobs, then you want to make a move at the deadline. But I don't know if the Canucks have the cap room to, you know, make moves. I, I'm predicting it right now. This is going to be one of the boringest trade deadlines in recent history. None of these teams can really. All these teams have some sort of bad deal. They got to move to get under the cap to make another move. So it's all going to be all these, you know, you know, take a bag, con- you know, money for money deals, so to say. So I don't know how many teams are going to be swinging for the fences here at deadline. I predict it's going to be a very bad deadline. I don't think the Canucks are going to do anything. Not that they don't want to, but I just don't think they, they can because, like you said, they are in cap hell. It's going to be tough with, you know, the money with even a guy like, I've said, even Michael Furlan, that contract looking pretty bad right now. They got all his dead money from, you know, the Luongo deal. They got, you know, Brandon Sutter, Jay Beagle. Obviously, Louis, like, I know Louis Erickson. Everyone's loving Louis right now, but he's still making $6 million a year. That's a lot for a guy who, you know, for a guy who, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like, he, he, do you, what do you do with Louis Erickson at the deadline? Like, if, if it's possible to move him, do you move him at the deadline, even though he's been playing really well on that second line? I don't know. I don't know who takes him. But I mean, I think I think regardless of how well Louis Erickson is playing, I think you have to maybe consider moving him at the deadline if the opportunity arises. Because you never know if a team's gonna have second thoughts about trading Louis Erickson, you know, or, or taking Louis Erickson rather. Speaking of other players potentially on the trade deadline, is Jordy Ben potentially on the trade deadline? Is this guy like on in the witness protection program? Since like, I was I was just curious because you know he hasn't been he hasn't been playing much recently, at least the recent memory. I was like, okay, it's been a while. How many exact games has it been? Since that Pittsburgh game, he's played once. It's going to be hard. It's hard to see him coming back to lineup unless, you know, one of these guys gets injured because I don't know, Travis Green just clearly does not like him. Or Rat has other options he likes more. Do you move a guy like Jordy Ben to, you know, shore up forward death or do something else? That's one of your main... He's on a pretty good team-friendly deal. He's making, like, what, two million a year, three million a year? Just for one more year, you can move that deal. But if you're the Canucks, do you even want to? Just because, hey, yeah, exactly, just as an injury insurance. Everyone, the old defense has been pretty healthy this year, but we know the injury history with Edler and Tanev. If one of those guys goes back, if Edler goes back down, if Tanev goes back down, what do you do with a guy like Jordy, Jordy Ben? I think the Canucks are honestly going to keep him. Like I said, I don't think they have the maneuverability to make a deal at the deadline, even if they wanted to. But it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Jordy Benning, because that's a deal you can move. That's 100% a deal you can move. Once again, this is Nick Bondi. This is Power of the Towel on the Nux Misconduct Network for SB Nation. Subscribe to the network, Nux Misconduct. You get this show. You get Silky and Filthy, Puck Talk and Bullshit. Trevor's back from his, what I understand, a great trip to Australia. So they're doing those episodes again. You've got Sippin' on a 40, recap after every single Vancouver Canucks game. You've got the Quickie now back because Trevor's back, as mentioned before. Subscribe to the network. You get all those shows. You can follow me on Twitter, at Nick Bondi. You can follow the Twitter account, at Power of the Towel. This is Nick Bondi and my guest this week. He's a rising star. 
in terms of Canucks coverage. You may know him from his duties as co-host on Canucks Conversation. The one, the only, David Quadrelli. Just a minute. Don't hang up. Yellow. You'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. All right. We now welcome on Power of the Towel, David Quadrelli. David, how's it going, buddy? Good, good. How about you, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well on this fine evening. When I had Faber on, I called him the podfather of Canucks podcast. He is like the kingmaker of all this stuff. You've joined him on Canucks Conversation. Uh, What do you think of this name? He's the podfather. You're the quadfather. I like the quad. Yeah, that's, you, a, that's I, a pretty sick nickname. That, yeah, I, yeah. I, I do like it, right? You're Italian. You got the little godfather thing going off. What do you think of that nickname? Like it? No, I love it. I okay, love it. cool. Awesome. If you, I'm just saying it right now. If you are going to sell it as a t-shirt or any sort of merchandise, I want 15% cut. Okay, we'll have to see about that. No, sure. no, 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 no. I'm saying it right now. This is an official record. If I'm getting bamboozled out of some money, we have the official audio right here to prove otherwise. We now, do. That's true. Yeah, you, you got you me there. You can't. You, it's ironclad. Podcasts are ironclad. I think that. I, th- I think that's the law. So, let's just. I guess quickly start off. Like, how did you end up covering the Vancouver Canucks? What made you decide to take this path? Yeah, man, for sure. So I was at SFU um, studying to become a teacher. Um, what were you going to teach? English. Always, you teach always liked English. High school. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. High, high yeah. school English teacher. Okay. Horrible that's very admirable. Math. Horrible at math. Same so, here. That's why I decided to go into podcasts. Yeah, like English was always my thing. Like I really liked writing and I, you know, I used to write like stories and like I'm still, you know, I haven't worked on it in like a year, but I, I was working on a novel for a while and just all that sort of stuff. I really like writing. Um, So I was taking a, what was it? It was a term paper at SFU, handed it in. Um, and then they gave me a really low mark on it and I was just really pissed off because the reason they gave me the low mark was because I forgot to put something in brackets at Oh, the that's end. bullshit. So I was, like, really pissed. Because it was a really good paper, and I worked really hard on it. Um, so they took 25% off. Because apparently... What? Yeah, they considered... What it do ac- you need brackets for in a written They paper? considered it academic dishonesty because it they said it claimed... It made it sound like I was taking this guy's claim oh, and bullshit. passing it off as my own. But I clearly wasn't. Like, I don't know. I was pissed. But, you know, I'm not... I don't really, like... I'm not the kind of guy to, like go into a teacher's office and be like, hey, I demand a higher mark. Like, I was just like, all right, fuck this. Oh, sorry, can I speak? Yo, you could okay, go, go off. Sorry, you could definitely swear um, on this podcast. Yeah, so I just, um, yeah, I went on, uh, I, I went home and I was kind of pissed off. So I just started applying for all these jobs because I was like, I don't need university. I'm just going to get a job in writing. Um, so I messaged Faber. Faber was my first point of contact. I had 130 followers, something like that. Um, and I messaged Faber and I was like, hey, man, like. Uh, you, you were like me at that point. Very zero, very little Twitter clout. Yeah, like it was, yeah, the Twitter clout, I, I hadn't really used Twitter much. Like I used to use it to, you know, I, I wasn't really a part of Canucks Twitter. Like I never mm-hmm. tweeted about the team or tweeted about the game like much before I started writing about the team. So I just messaged Faber and I said, hey man, like, do you know any way I can get on? And he got me in touch with the Canuck Way guys. Um, and, you know, I was working there and, you know, you don't, you don't make anything really when you first start out, right? Because no one wants to read my stuff. So I just uh, kept working hard and tried to do tried to make the most of it um and yeah i ended up writing like seven articles a month and then the position of site expert so you like you're the main guy at the site uh opened up in february and then i just applied for it um but i was still at school like my parents wouldn't let me leave school what were you taking then that's still english oh still you're still there. in english yeah okay. still there for english but uh yeah like i was doing some criminology and i really liked that sort of stuff but you know not enough right um so i was pretty disgruntled but then I got that job 
Uh, and then, yeah, like it's crazy to say, but like, yeah, ever since I messaged Faber, like my life totally changed. Um, so then yeah, stayed on, stayed on with the Canuck way for a while. I just left there like last month. This is actually my first month away from it. Um, you know, as you guys know, I'm doing like the Canucks army and I'm doing yeah. something that you'll find out tomorrow, but oh, I've been okay. told I can't say anything. Well, about this it. is coming out probably not tomorrow, but the next week. So you can say it. Oh, next week. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you, you can definitely say it. I'm joining Pasta Tabulis with Daniel okay. Wagner. Um, my first article is coming out tomorrow. Uh, what's today? Monday night? Yeah, Monday, Monday night. night. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that'll be out. But yeah, we. I'm not supposed to say anything, just in oh. case. So. Oh, oh, sorry. We're we're doing this tomorrow. <laughs> sorry. I had to, sorry. I meant I meant tomorrow, not next week. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna be doing that, and that's another thing I'm doing. So I'm excited about that. So are you gonna be writing like the recaps or like what's no. your what's your what's your role? So he's giving me like a weekly column. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. So what are you I, calling it? I don't, we don't know yet. We've been oh, okay. Let's look, no, we got we got to brainstorm now. Yeah, like, like, this is the goal of this Daniel, interview. Daniel Daniel texted me a bunch of names. Um, you know they weren't great, and he said <laughs> that he was like he was like here's a bunch of bad names. So hopefully you can think of a good one. So I was like okay sure. So like we have a bunch of stuff going on, but like I have a rough idea of what I'm gonna bring to the column each week, and then yeah, like my first article going up is just why Canucks fans cheer so loudly for Louis Erickson, and kind of just talking about how um he's been a pretty weak player for the mm -hmm. team and how. Like, why that's a huge reason for why fans cheer so loudly for him. Because, you know, every time he does succeed, it's like a big event. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I go into depth there. That's my first article for uh, Pastor Dubulis, and I'm really excited about that. But, sorry, we were in the middle of the story. Where was I? Oh, yeah. You were, so you were trying to, you were something about the Canuck Way. Yeah, so I was still at the Canuck Way. Okay. Um, and once I got the paid position as the site expert, uh, I convinced my parents to let me leave SFU. Uh, it actually wasn't hard. But, like, I told them I was going to work hard and go all in on it and, like, writing and all that stuff. And I was like, I'll make sure I have a job. Like, I'll make sure I'm, I'm ready to go on all this. Um, so, yeah, that's just been my whole mantra is just, like, try and outwork everybody. Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing. And then, you know, yep, haven't heard much of me in January because I'm recovering from writing basically every day for the past, like, 10 months with Canuck Way. So yeah. I'm pretty – I've been really enjoying my time off for sure. And, like, you know, that time off is – not all off because, you know, I'm still working with Faber and everything. Yeah, but you're not doing something like every day. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, like it's bittersweet because I like writing a lot, like in writing every day, but I got to I gotta get back into it. I just started today. Like I'm working on something for Canucks Army as well. Um, but yeah, like it, it's it's tough to get into it once you take a month off because yeah. you you were into it and then you had your break. And yeah, like it's, it's good for me to be working though. So I'm just going to get back into it and I'm really excited to do that. Yeah, so I, I think your your story of how you got started this is kind of similar to mine because mine is like I was going to SFU as well, but I was actually trying to get into the business school. Now, if you know anything about the business school at SFU, it's very tough to get into once you're actually a student. So I was originally a history student. I said like one after semester, fuck that because I didn't like super old history, like 1600s history, not did not interest me. I tried to get into business and my grades were terrible and I was not having a fun time. Business students are kind of dicks, by the way. They're like, it's like, it's all great on a curve, right? So like people would like people would laugh at you if you got something wrong in a tutorial. I'm like, oh, I'm not. I'm, what, what am I doing here? And then I uh, I just thought to myself, hey, like, what do I like doing? Well, I like talking about sports with my friends. Uh, when I got try and get a job with the guy, and it was kind of like you. It was just kind of like very simple. Like, why don't I just try this and see how it ends up? But I took a different path. I started write, writing for the student newspaper at SFU, and I became a sports editor. And that's kind of led me to where I am now with various jobs and other. But we have, I think, we have a very similar path in the sense that. We both decided, like, at one point, it was just a very quick decision for me, as it seems to you. You're just kind of like, fuck that. I'm going to try this. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's what you have to do. You have to make that leap of faith. And, you know, it's tough because you see all these people losing jobs in the media. But I think Faber and I were just talking about this is like if you do things the right way, because, you know, obviously media is evolving with the digital age and everything like newspapers are going to become non-existent soon. Um, and, you you know, you just have to evolve with it. Like everybody's got an online outlet now. Right. Um, exactly. So there's all the online stuff. And then even, for example, like the radio show, like the podcast Chris and I are doing, like we have a Patreon. That's just another way for us to kind of make some money off it. And we're putting all the, all the money we get from our Patreon and the, um, and sponsorships. We're putting it all back into the podcast. Like we're doing mm. giveaways and such. Yeah. So to, one of your yeah. sponsors is parallel 49 beer. Yes. My question is, why didn't I get a case of Parallel 49 beer when you came in You'll today? have to ask Faber about that because I don't even drink. So it's really oh, ironic okay. that a beer company sponsors us because I like... Um, you I, still could have brought it. Yeah, I don't have any. Oh. <laughs> uh, Faber keeps all of it. But uh, no, like I said on the last podcast, I brought us in after an ad read that Chris did. And I was like, I don't drink beer, but if I did, it'd certainly be Parallel 49 because okay, like I've that. heard it's very good. And like you know, like... I'll drink once in a blue moon, and when I do, it's always parallel forty nine. Yeah, brewing. absolutely. I've actually never drank it before, but I'm going to. Yeah, one day. That, that hey, that should be a Patreon episode. Yeah, there you go. Quadrelli yeah. drinks a beer for the first time. Yeah, See his reaction, go, man. man. Like, dude, there you go. Dude, I, I need a fifteen percent cut of something for this Patreon, <laughs> man. I've been coming up with so many totally, good ideas. Totally, totally. Oh my god. Also, okay. Before we move on to that, did you know the trick to boost your paper up by about half a page to a page? My paper? Yeah. Oh, like when you're writing? Yeah. Yeah. No. What? Like, okay. So. I learned this from a buddy of mine when I was at the peak. What you do is you change. So usually it's Times New Roman 10. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You change all the periods to size 11. No. Would yeah. that work? You ca- it does work. If Holy you, shit. If you save it as a PDF. Because that way, they, when, you, when you highlight it, uh-huh. they can't check what size it is. If you save it as a Word document, oh. you can go in and check. But if you save it as a PDF, uh-huh. that saved me. That was like the big hack I learned going that was like honestly one of the top three things i learned going (laughs) going to sfu was how to like boost my paper by page when i really just didn't want to write anymore fuck i gotta go back to sfu just for that hey you know what i don't i don't know how much writing you do for uh, bcit it's free free advice for you right there yeah no when i'm at bcit i'll be using this yeah definitely (laughs) oh yeah so Let's talk about, I guess, a bit about the Botcher project because you were the first one, right? You were yeah. the first. You were first. One. What? The, tell me, like, how you heard about it, like that whole experience. How'd you find out? I'm just interested in the whole process. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. So, um, first, I got a message from Ryan Beach like a week before. First, he followed me, which was huge for me because I had never speak spoken to the guy before. Um, but obviously, everybody knows who he is, so I was pretty stoked he followed me and then he messaged me he's like hey just just wanted to confirm you're going you're going into journalism right and i was like radio arts and entertainment told him i was at journalism right now with sfu just part-time um and he's like okay perfect just checking so then i was like oh shit this is like, something's up i was like something's up okay so i was on alert um and then uh and then i get an email from canucks pr saying congratulations you've been chosen uh, and then included on it, like it was a generic message, like no one signed it off, like none of the PR guys um, signed it off. So there was a message attached to it and it was from Kat Botchford. Um, and, you know, I posted the message on Twitter and everything. I can't remember it word for word, but it was it was really nice what she said. And basically she just like she was like, oh, yeah, like um, your application showed your drive, blah, blah, blah. And all this all this really, really nice stuff that she said about me. So I reposted that because it was just like, whoa, like, I can't believe she said that about me. And, like, the the craziest part was when she, like, 
compared me to Jason. She's like, um, it reminded me of a young Jason. I was like, oh Damn. shit, like that's the highest praise you can get, right? Absolutely. So, I, yeah, that was really humbling, like the whole experience, right? And it, again, it's so bittersweet, right? Because of, you know, watch yeah. passing away yeah. is the only reason this happened. And it's so sad, but like, yeah, it, it was like really bittersweet, especially when I got to the seat for the first time. That was like, whoa. So you sat in like his kind of desert. Yeah, seat. yeah, that's part yeah. of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's yeah. So there's a plate on it that says, um, Oh, they like a the Bosford project. Oh, yeah. okay. That's awesome, man. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Seat 65. Um, and yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. Cause it was, you know, like Drance and I went for lunch and then we got there really early. So nobody was up there basically. Um, and he was getting to work and he's like, yeah, your seat's down there. Number 65. And I was like, okay, cool. So I sat down and I was just like, Whoa, like wow. here we are. This is it. So that's awesome. Yeah, but again, really, really bittersweet the whole night, right? <clears throat> what was your experience like? So part of it is you get to go in the locker room, talk to talk to some of the players. Mm-hmm. What was your What was your initial experience like in the locker room? Uh, yeah, like it's a very nice facility. Um, and I was hot, hot take. Yeah, I was trying to be very careful not to step on the logo, but uh, they covered the logo thankfully. Oh, okay. So uh, yeah, here's here's my here's my question or like what my thought on all that is. If it's so important, why just put it on the wall? Why, yeah, have, no. why, why have it as a carpet that everyone can walk Yeah, on? I know. It makes sense, right? It, it doesn't make much sense to have it no. on the floor. But anyways, it's like covered. So I was happy about that. But uh, no, like the the experience was great. I'm just picturing you like <laughs> accidentally stepping on the logo and like. Well, you get know, a fine. Cr- you cr- get a fine from get, the You don't get fined. I'd get fined. Come on. They, yeah. they literally take money out of your pocket. Well, I hope not. They, Has I, that actually I, happened I, to people though? Well, I know they find the players. If the players like. What about a, a journalist? I don't. Yeah, I think so. Oh I think God. it's that's probably put in place. Come on. That's so lame. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I'm just picturing you like accidentally stepping on the logo and then like Alex Edler just snapping. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> the I'm, just try- yeah, I'm just trying to think of the quietest guy just snapping at David Quadrelli. <laughs> or Chris Tanev. Yeah, Chris Tanev. It's one of the quiet guys. Speaking of which, he's a really nice guy. Uh, oh, I can the guy I, I talked to for my story, him and him and Bo. And that was really, really cool talking to them. And like, that wasn't my first time in the media room or anything. Like, I yeah. was there on. Um, intro media day i was there for the hockey writers and like you know that was a very different experience because not everybody wanted to see you succeed like nothing people didn't want to see it's competitive yeah like nobody was there helping me and nobody knew who i was like i introduced myself to drance and he's like oh i think i've seen you on twitter and i'm like yeah and then like harman big time deal yeah well no not really (laughs) um Harmon, Harmon was the guy I went after, and I'm like, dude, like we're both 19, let's stick together, because <laughs> um, it was his first media day too. But obviously, like everybody knew who he was, and then everybody yeah, else a boy was genius. Just like, who the hell's this guy? And I was just like, hi guys, and then so yeah, I just tried to rub elbows with as many people as possible, and like, yeah, talk to Patrick Johnson and all those guys. That was my first day, and that was on September 12th, and then the. Botchford night was in November and thankfully by that point most people had already like followed me on Twitter and like knew who I was so everybody knew what was going on and I like you know it was it was cool because I was like buddy buddy with everybody it felt yeah like. awesome yeah so you're a big food guy you're oh, known yeah. you're, no, you're known for the food takes what was the food like in the press box at Rogers Arena well, it was great. and now is there like some sort of protocol when you can have food like what's what's going on there yeah so we had a dinner before the game and that was included in the Botchford project itinerary um they had mac and cheese. Actually, sorry, they had a lot more. I'm a really picky eater. This is what I ate. Mac and cheese. Okay. Two chicken legs. Oh. Um, you, you're a feaster. You're, you're a feaster. Yeah. Potatoes. Uh, and then, yeah, I left, like, all the veggies, the salad. Oh, like, I didn't have any of that. And oh, it was so on. funny. But, yeah, that that was, yeah, you, you get fed nice. And then in the second intermission, uh, they put out a big, two, like, 
big heaping bowls of fries, like French fries. Ooh. And someone comes down. No, iMac. iMac comes down. He's sitting next to me. Uh, it was supposed to be Daniel Wagner, but iMac's internet wasn't working, so he sat next to me. We talked. I- iMac's a really good guy. Um, and he's like... iMac seems like a type of guy. Like, he's first in line at the buffet. He, he, wants, he, was. he what, was. Yeah, I do. I he's, do like, he's like, did you get the fries? That's, like, that's, that's a big J old school journalist move. You gotta be, you gotta be first in line yeah. for the food. I was like, what fries? He's like, oh, they're up there. So I was like, oh, shit, okay. So iMac tells me about the fries. I go up. They're all gone. And I was just oh, like, man. shit, no fries. This night's ruined. No, yeah, I'm just absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd be pre-choked. No, I was, uh, I you know, I was sad about the fries for like a second, and then I turned around and looked at the rink, and I was like, oh, never mind, it's all good. <laughs> nah, no, I'd still be pretty choked if I didn't get any free fries, man. Yeah, I really wanted some fries. If I'm being honest. Yeah, no, <laughs> seems seems good. So now the other place you're known for is Pasta More. Oh yes. Okay, so what's your go-to order there? Yeah, for sure. So you gotta get the focaccia, right? Oh, got it. I, I heard Chris say this word, and it's hilarious. Like, focaccia? He's, he's not what Italian. He like, I think he said something like that. Yeah, something focaccia like that. Focaccia or something focaccia, like that? I, I've heard yeah. people pronounce it like that. Okay, so for everybody, Italian lesson today. So it's focaccia. Yeah, ab- okay? absolutely. A double C in the I yes. is a ch- ch- yeah. sound. You okay? must have taken Italian lessons at SFU. I did, I yeah. did. I was in See? Italian 100 yeah. at SFU. I knew it. Um, yeah, so it's focaccia. I get that, and then I get the penne toto cardinale, and that's mm-hmm. my go-to for sure. Oh, but absolutely. They actually, I think they changed the name. I think it's just called Penny Toto now. Okay. So, Penny yeah. Toto. I used to just go for one of the pizzas. Oh, the pizza. That's, yeah. yeah, that's a hot take. My, my no-no doesn't like the pizza. He doesn't like the there. pizza? He doesn't like that's the pizza the hell, there. What's the hell wrong with the pizza? No. It's, it's nice. It's like the kind of like flatbread kind of thin, which I like. Yeah, I don't know. My, my no-no oh didn't my like God. the pizza. Maybe he just had a bad experience. But yeah. every time I tell him I'm going to pass some more, he goes, oh, their pizza no good. Oh, like, no oh, good. Okay. Yeah. I won't get the pizza. Yeah, get something else. They got tons of good stuff there, man. So for sure. Yeah. So. Let's, uh, I guess, let's move on to a bit more like Canuck centric stuff. How good is Quinn Hughes? You're the number one Quinn Hughes really stand. You're, you're the number one Quinn Hughes stand out there. How good is Quinn Hughes? Really good. Oddly enough, I haven't gotten national headlines like Drance and Harmon did. Yeah, for, what's going uh, on there? For their articles. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've written enough about Quinn Hughes, I feel like, but I'm going to keep going. Uh, but, you know, like like I just said, I'm on, the, I'm on the little hiatus right now, but I'll be coming hard with some Quinn Hughes hype for sure. But uh, no, what Harmon just put out was like, Dude, the kid just spits straight facts. Like, it's it's unbelievable. And to see all these people on Twitter and the Sabres fans calling Darlene a generational talent. Like, Quinn Hughes isn't a generational talent. Like, let's just get that out in the open. He's not. Why not? Because generational talent comes every generation. So there's Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid are the two generational What about our talents. defense? Not Quinn Hughes. It's not Quinn Hughes. Then who is it? There's no generational talent oh, on okay. defense. Okay, well, can we can we start a campaign to make it Quinn Hughes? No, you can't just make it sure, up. You can, sure, you can. Why not? No, because, okay, so a generational talent comes once every generation, okay? So you I'm can't aware just, of the term generational you talent. Put Thank it, you. you can't just put it for each position. You can't say this is the, this is, having the best player of a generation is different. That's different than a generational talent. Look, he's look, a player you, that comes I once thought, every I generation. Thought, I thought you were in media. It's called, to quote Will Ferrell, it's provocative. It gets the people going. <laughs> this yeah, is what we do. I, um, I, I, I hate that people throw that term around lightly. That's, that's just a personal pet peeve because, you know, there's people... Again, tweeting back at Harmon being like, well, Darlene's generational. And it's like, what? No, he's not. And McCarr is not generational. Hughes, they're all elite defensemen. And like right now, as Harmon said, Hughes is the best out of them, right? That's just, that's a fact. Okay, so all of the data points to that and all the matchups and all this stuff, it all points to that, right? And just throwing this term generational around, I hate it. It's a pet peeve, man. So I think, yo, I think we can both agree that 
Quinn Hughes is the generational talent of American defenseman under six feet, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. That. That's that. Uh, good kid. I'm glad we could both agree. Now yeah. we have Kyle Bowen in the studio. He's hard at work uh, on the couches over there. Now he's the one. He, he, Kyle Bowen's been on the Quinn Hughes hype train since day one. He's been saying he's the best Canucks defenseman ever. Since the first game. He said that before the first game. Yeah, he I said remember that I was he, on this podcast. He said he's the best of all time. Yeah. I don't know if you can throw that out because, you know, knock on wood, if the kid gets like a career-ending injury. Why even say he that, man? Why even say, why even, bu- why even bum me out like that? He has the potential to be the best of all time. I, I just don't think he's the, you can't say he's the best of all time. He's the most skilled of all time by far. But I don't know if he's the best yet. I don't know if you can throw that term around until his career is said and done. I, th- I thought you were the Quinn Hughes hype man. I, I am, thought but you I got to bring I, you guys back down to earth a little bit. No, 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 no. That's not what we're all about. Hey, man. I, I, I wrote the uh, the Quinn Hughes is here and ready to change the Canucks forever article. That was yeah. that was my big thing. Yeah, that but he, but did you say September. he's the best ever? No, that's Kyle Bowen who said it's the best that is, ever. That is Kyle. I have to give him that. <laughs> so what exactly? Like, how, how you mentioned Harmon's article, and he did a pretty good breakdown of what makes Quinn Hughes so good. What in your mind makes Quinn Hughes so good? His skating, really. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you hear that a lot, and I feel like that's just kind of thrown loosely, but just his actual edge work and the way he's able to change directions on a diamond, you know, like Chris Tanev said when I was talking to him, is that he's a smaller guy, so he can really change direction on a diamond. You know, we see that with Elias Pettersson and his skating, right? And Quinn Hughes is so comfortable getting out of high pressure cooker situations, right? Like how many times have we seen him wheel behind the net and wheel out and have a, have a four checker on him. Who's all of a sudden like three feet behind mm-hmm. him. And he's like protecting the yeah. puck. His skating is amazing. Like that's his, I think, I think that's his like number one feature. Is his yeah. Skating. And even like his, his hockey IQ. And again, that's the term I feel like is thrown around loosely, just like generational talent. Oh, come on. Um, but no, like little things like, you know, I spare that term. Sorry. But uh, no, like it is the little things with him, right? Like, Three guys on him. What's he gonna do? They're all in front of him. He puts it through his legs, and he like finds a pass. Like, you just you never know what this kid's gonna do. And I think the opponent sees that too. Mm. They don't know what yeah. he's gonna do, and that's what makes him so tough to play against. And yeah, like his his defense is a huge strength of his. And I never thought we'd be saying that if I'm being honest. Yeah. Like I I could tell that his defending wasn't gonna be as big of an issue as I felt like a lot of people were saying it was going to be. Like. There was people that were like, oh, he's under under six feet. He's going to get demolished. I wasn't really worried about that. I was, however, worried about him once in a while getting, like, shrugged off the puck, not having the right um, positioning on people. But that's exactly what he has done is have the right positioning on everybody and use whatever weight he has. He uses it effectively, and he's able to defend very well. Yeah, so, my see, I was kind of in the same boat with his defensive game. I remember the very first game they played a, the season opener against Edmonton. Leon Dreisel essentially stiff arms him. Goes to net and score, and that and I was I, I think I said because me and Kyle were both in the studio watching the game at the time. I was like, oh, maybe maybe he's not going to be that good defensively. Like if, if a guy like Leon Dreisel just pushes him out of the way, gets a puck and scores, we may have a bit of a problem. But it, since then, I can't remember like a big defensive gaffe like that for Quinn Hughes. Like like you said, his defensive play I think has been really good. Yeah, I think that was a learning experience for him, right? And to have that moment right in your first game. I mean, he's probably hap- happy that happened because it didn't happen again, really, right? We don't see that. That's not a regular occurrence in the game we see Quinn Hughes play. Um, so, yeah, like, that was what I was a little bit worried about. But, yeah, that moment in particular, the dry settle one was, yeah, that was tough to watch. <laughs> now, I posed this question to Baber when I had him on. What are your thoughts on the JT Miller trade, looking back on it now? Because my whole argument has been... You can't, I'm just trying to, just trying to put this in the right words. You can't, like, you can't say 
I feel like saying, you know, oh, it's still it was still a bad trade at the time, given what we know, is a bit of a cop-out because, hey, he's gone pace for, you know, 35-plus goals. I think that's worth a first-round pick. So to say, like, oh, it was still a bad trade at the time, to me, it feel like, feels like a bit of a cop-out. You just don't want to take the L, right? Like, what are your thoughts on the, on the JT Miller trade? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's tough. Sometimes, to, sometimes you just have to take the L. Like, I'm not the biggest Jim Benning fan, but hey, maybe he got it right with trading, you know, a, a first for... Yeah, um, for sure. No, I I really liked the trade. I Did you like the, it at the time? Yeah, I liked the player that they were, the Canucks were getting back. You know, okay. I obviously, like, didn't like that they had to give up a first-round pick, but if that's what they had to give up, then that's what they had to give up. And, you know, everybody will debate whether or not they had to actually give it up and if they were bidding against themselves and all this sort of stuff. You know, people will talk about that. And, you know, uh, Tampa was against the cap, so that's another thing that kind of plays into it is um, – People calling it a cap dump. I don't think that's fair <laughs> at no, all. Uh, like, so JT Miller is a good player, and we've seen that. And he's been a really key part of uh, Elias Pettersson's success this year. And that's kind of kind of crazy because I thought he was going to play on the Horvat line. I think and, a lot of people did too. Yeah, and I thought he was going to be like a you know 20-goal scorer, and he would just you know be m- kind of middle-of-the-pack player, right? Um, but he's really emerged, and I, I would argue that um, before it was Brock Besser and Elias Pettersson were, um, you couldn't, you couldn't break them up, but now I think it's Miller and Pettersson that you can't break them up. And I think that's the new dynamic duo for the Canucks. And, you know, Miller's what, 26, I think. Um, so he's in 2011. Yeah. So that sounds about right. Yeah. So he's a little older than Pettersson. So I think he's kind of in between kind of like Bo Horvat, like in between a vet and a young guy, like Miller's seen some shit. He's seen the playoffs. He's seen what it takes to win in the playoffs. And, you know, that Tampa, like, I don't, I don't know how much of the first round you watched. Like, Miller was good for the Lightning last year in the playoffs. It was the big stars that couldn't perform. So I like that the Canucks picked up a player who's this good in the regular season and we know can elevate his game in the playoffs. Um, so I'm really excited to see that. But when you talk about how good was the trade, I think it's really tough to say until we find out what happens to that first-round pick. Do the Canucks miss the playoffs this year and next year, and then do they just give up a lottery pick? Mm -hmm. What I love about the standings this year, like, as we're recording this, it's, like, right at the beginning of the All-Star break, but the Canucks are, like, one point up. They're at 58 points. The four other teams have 57. This is all off the top of my head. Not a big deal. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, like, what I love about the standings is, like, Either if you're kind of like a, a betting bro, so to say, who like is all in on the playoffs here, we need to make the playoffs, or a so-called bitter bro who's like, no, we shouldn't, we don't need to make the playoffs, we need to keep that first round pick. You have something to argue pretty much the rest of the season because not only are the Canucks top of the division by one point, they're also like two points away from missing the playoffs. And it's going to be like that for the rest of the season. That's my favorite thing about the standings is like this whole, like if you're sick of like this whole betting versus bitter bro debate on Twitter, it's not ending anytime soon because both sides have something to argue. Yeah, I wish it would end, but it's not going to. There's yeah, there's there's people on both sides that just need to relax. Some, as I said, <laughs> some people just need to take an L sometimes. Like, well, that's the thing is I I don't like the people are like after five wins you see all the so called Benning Bros come out and be like, oh yeah, see we told you. And then yeah. the bitter bros, if there's a five if five game losing streak, oh we told you. It's yeah. like, dude. 
relax. It's way too early to be calling, planning your parade, and then shitting on the parade. It's too early for both of Is those it? things. Is it? It's halfway through the season. We're halfway through the yeah, season. Yeah, but look at the standings. Didn't you just say they could be out of the playoffs? No, I'm just saying. Like hey, one yeah, game? you know what? I'm still saying, but I don't <laughs> think you could say it's early in the season. Theoretically, no. I think it's too early to be planning. Oh, okay, that's what you mean. That's what <laughs> yeah. you mean. Yeah, it's definitely too and early like, for it's, that. It's too early to be claiming that your side's the smarter side. I think uh, people are gonna find a way, man. That's that's for Twitter. Sure, that's for Twitter. Sure. So let's talk a bit about Brock Besser, as you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. He got bumped off that first line. He's kind of playing on the third line now. Where do you see him going forward? Because I'm, I'm I'm of the opinion that as much as I love Louis Erickson, and I wish him nothing but success yeah. in the future. Yeah. Why not put Brock Besser on that second line, put him with Bo Horvat, right? They had success, I think, Besser's rookie year. He got numbered with the call. They're playing with Horvat a lot. Yep. Just put, put him aside, put him aside Bo Horvat and see what he does. Yeah, so what I kind of like to propose is, you know, I'm writing about Louis Erickson, and, you know, I'm, I, I will announce it on this podcast. I'm working on uh, 21 little things Louis Erickson has done oh, well. Okay. So that's going to be the next list. list that's kind of your brand right now. Is yeah, yeah. I just, I, yeah, I had to do it. So that's something I'm working when on. When are you doing one for uh, Horvat? Yeah, 53. 53 baby names someone suggested. Okay, that's 53 a good 53 potential baby names. Um, so we'll see. Maybe that will be one day. But as I was saying, the um, Louis Erickson, as much as we like to say, oh, my gosh, Louis Erickson, look at look at this guy. What a season. I don't know how much this recent success He's is He's an due elite to, player at hunting empty nets. Yeah, I don't know how much of the success is due to Louis Erickson as much as it is Bo Horvat finally elevating his game and Bo Horvat really putting it all together. Like, Bo Horvat has turned in some really good performances as of late. And, you know, it's easy to say that the catalyst was Louis Erickson because that's what this schedule will show you. Um, like, Horvat... They won 11 of 14 games, I think the stat is. Yeah, for, with, for sure. And Horvat struggled to score at 5-on-5, five five, right? He's got 14 even-strength points since playing with Erickson. His first game with Erickson was on December He's doing the little things. Yeah, so Louis is doing the little things, but I just wonder, will that point progression really take that much of a dip if Brock Besser's on that line? And my heart's telling me no, because Brock Besser is not bad defensively. Like, Louis Erickson's good defensively, sure. Um, but it's no question that Brock Besser's more of an offensive threat than Louis Erickson. Like, mm-hmm. uh, except with the net empty. Then you definitely want yeah, Louis Yeah, then, then you, you throw Louis over the boards and see what he can do. Well, hey, give him some credit. Like, Louis... Uh, that that play against Arizona, I was I was at that game and he was hustling like I oh, was no oh shocked. he was hustling yeah, I was he, shocked at he, how fast I he think went. I don't know I don't have cap friendly out but I'm sure he has some sort of like does he have an empty net goal bonus or empty net like point bonus feels think, like that that might be the reason I'd love that that'd be awesome if yeah, you know, yeah if I'm Louis Erickson like I, I'm 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 negotiating that in my next contract hundred <laughs> percent dude yeah did you talk to him when you were in the locker room Louis was Louis, Louis? What, no. what's, what's Louis like around the around the room. Louis quiet, man. Like, you know, you probably don't need me to tell you that. He's always sleeping on the plane. Um, but yeah, like he he's quiet, man, but he's really he's a really good teammate. Um there's not a guy in that locker room, I don't think, that will tell you that they don't like Louis Erickson. Um, you know, say what you want about him getting paid, the amount he is, whatever. Um, but yeah, like last Christmas or whatever, he Elias Pedersen has nowhere to go. He brings him into his house. Um, Erickson does, and he is Christmas with the Erickson family. So what a nice guy. Yeah, he's just a good guy. Like I don't like Louis's not a bad dude at all. And, you know, he gets a bad rap in the city, obviously, because of, you know, everything. I, I like I like just like the Louis Erickson like career arc. Like he's 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 switched from you know, like everyone just hating how much he's getting paid to like some sort of folk hero now. Yeah, and that's what I think he's becoming. He's becoming like a, it's like a Louis Erickson cult. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, like people really like to see this guy succeed, man, and they should. Like, yeah, he he's a good guy. I, you know, it it sucks what's happened. It's not his fault. He gets paid that much. Someone had to give him that contract. Yeah, I would sign a six-year, thirty-six million dollar deal right now if he handed it to me. Yeah, I I can hardly skate, and I would take yeah. that to go play at Rogers. <laughs> <Arena. laughs> so yeah, like, yeah. What, sorry, what was the question, man? The question was just like, is Louis like is Louis Erickson becoming like a folk hero? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. Yeah. Yes, Louis Erickson's a. Louis Erickson is a gem. He'll he won't go down as a fan favorite, but nobody will ever forget who Louis Erickson no. is. <laughs> he'll be remembered kind of. He's a he's an infamous character. I think that's eventually what he'll become. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about a bit about the Canucks fourth line now. Brandon Sutter has been on it. Is that is that you see a fit there? Yeah, Long man. Term? So I'll have something dropping on Canucks Army. Yeah, you're, dro- you're dropping like an a article about like every player I ask. Yeah. Every time I ask, it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm dropping something here. Yeah, I'm, we didn't even talk about this, but I'm glad you asked me about Brandon Sutter because I was looking at um, the direct comparison between Tim Schaller and Brandon Sutter. So Brandon Sh- Shutter, Brandon Sutter has a better um, expected goals against per 60 than Schaller does. And you have to remember that Brandon Sutter wasn't playing in a shutdown role, okay? He's playing on the third line, okay? Yeah. So, Schaller, who's playing on the fourth line, his one job is to stop the opponent from scoring. So, what does that tell you that a third-line center... And, you know, this is Godet's job now. Like, Sutter's not going to go back on the third line no. in the center position. That's just not going to happen unless, you know, unless something happens to Godet's game and Green doesn't like it, whatever. Um, but right now, it's Godet's spot to lose. Like, him getting healthy, or Sutter, that is, getting healthy, it's not enough to just take Godet off that line. That's not happening. So, when you look at... Sutter, who's played on the third line for most of this season, right? Him having those those kind of um, those kind of stats compared to Schaller, who's been in a shutdown role all season long, putting Sutter on that line, who has more offensive ability than Tim Schaller. You know, Sutter can shoot the puck, and he's he is fast. Remember, when everyone was hyped on Tim Schaller. I for do. Like, for like a brief like two and a half week I period. I was there, man. You know what's still sitting in my drafts at the Canuck way? Tim Schaller has been everything and more that the Canucks oh, could have asked man. for him. Because I was like, holy shit, what's going on with this Whoever, guy? Who, who, if you, do you still have access to that account? You just tweeted out like randomly during yeah. a game. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I have access to the account, but it's got to get approved by the editors. I don't know if they'd, if they'd run that. But uh, no, like I, I said it on our podcast, Canucks Conversation. Go check it out. Um, <laughs> plug, quick plug. Plug, quick plug, plug. Plug the shit out um, of it. Yeah, Tim Schaller, the shine on him is totally wore off. And, you know, someone I'd like to see up in the event of another Brandon Sutter injury, knock on wood once again, is Justin Bailey from the minors, from Utica. He is a fast skater, and he's decent defensively. He kills penalties for the Comets. Um, But, you know, Jim Benning was in attendance for, I think, two of his three hat tricks that he just had. Good time to score him. Exactly, right? Um, So that's my gripe is I don't think Schaller should be put back on that fourth line if Sutter were to go down with an injury. I think it should be a Justin Bailey. Let's see what he can do. Give him a chance. Mm-hmm. So what you have you been watching the Utah Comets all year? Is this like a Canucks conversation thing? Canucks conversation. I got off work and I drove to the studio. And you watched like the game there. 5.30. And fi- I walked into the studio. Faber just has it on. And I have pizza in my hands. And I'm like, oh, are we watching What kind this? of pizza? Oh, we'll get into that. Domino's, man. Domino's. See, what's wrong with Domino's? Yeah. Thank you. Faber's roasting me on Twitter. He takes pictures of me without me even seeing this look, guy. Look, here's a, I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of high quality pizza as much as the next guy, but I don't have a budget to eat like a pasta amore like Thank every you. day. Yeah, and, and guess what? Guess what? Domino's. First of all, it's not actually that bad. You know what? You know what pizza is actually bad? Pizza Hut and Panago's. 
Yeah, I I don't Panago like Panago. Panago has too many whack flavors. Yeah, I don't why like do Panago. I want like some weird sweet chicken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pineapple totally, thing. I don't totally. want that. No, like I and plus, Domino's, I think has the best online ordering system out there. I oh, get a look. Yeah. I get a little tracker to see where the guy Hell is, yeah, where that he is. I get rewards. I can save my thing. So if I, I usually just get the same thing when I order Domino's. Yeah, there you go. There's literally one right by the studio, man. That's yeah. awesome. That's perfect. So. Yeah, that's... The, I don't know, man. Faber was really really hard on me about this that. This guy can't even pronounce focaccia. Yeah, I know. What and he's hell? trying to rip us... He's I trying know. to rip us for our taste on Domino's. Yeah, what the hell is wrong? I don't even know if this guy's working with this guy. Holy yeah. shit, man. I'm having I'm having second thoughts now. Just joking, Chris. Um, <laughs> but no, like, it was two for $7.99. You just can't get that value anywhere else. Two mediums? Two mediums for $7.99. Yeah, that's an amazing deal. That's a great deal, man. I, I spent 20 bucks on I pizza. know some people complain that Domino's crust is almost too thick and doughy. I think that's mm. like a pretty big complaint, right? But you can get the thin crust, and the thin crust isn't that bad. You so. can get the thin crust. I don't mind their crust, if I'm being honest. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I like Domino's, man. It's like, it's not my go-to. Like, if someone... Yeah, no one, no one's saying it's the high-quality yeah, pizza. There's a lot yeah. better places around here. But if I want a cheap meal, that I want pizza. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I, sorry, I lost complete train of thought. Like, what, what we were talking about, like, Pizza, Lumiere's. we were talking about pizza. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we, can, we can still continue to talk about pizza, trust me. So... What are your what are your thoughts on Jake Vertanen? Yeah, for sure. So oh, we were talking so about wait, this. wait, wait, okay, wait, okay, wait, okay. wait. Sorry. So <laughs> that is my show. This is my show. <laughs> I know you're a host. So I was talking to Harmon Dial and I pretty much posed the question, would you trade or keep Jake Vertanen? But I I can see both sides personally. I can see the fact that maybe his value is never is probably his value is probably never higher than it is now. Mhm. But I can also see that if they trade him now and he does the classic power forward thing. Cam Neely, yeah. Yeah, he does like the classic power forward thing where, you know, he peaks around, figures it out, quote unquote, around 24, 25. Mm. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, I think a lot of fans are going to regret trading him. Like, yeah. w- would you trade or would you keep him? I'd leave it up to the general manager. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, come on. No, that's, a, that's that. the cheapest answer yeah. of all. Uh, no, so here's the thing is before the season, I was looking at those stats and, you know, I was still in the boat of Jake Furtanen being a power forward, but it's becoming evident that Jake Furtanen's really not a power forward. And, you know, I used to say... Oh, okay. So what is he? So you don't have to give him a player type. Two-way forward. If you're making him on NHL NHL 20, you got to ask him two-way that's forward. How, that's how my brain understands hockey. Fair I need I need cliches. So <laughs> give me a cliche. Well... Here's the thing, right? Is he doesn't play like a power forward. I used to say he was an underachieving power forward. So I said when he's at his best, he's driving the net hard. He's doing all these great things. But so is JT Miller. And JT Miller is not a power forward. Nobody's, maybe he is. Maybe. Sure, sure. If It depends what you define as a power forward. But what I'm trying to say is I used to be like, well, at the start of the season, I was under the impression, like I wrote a big article called Jake Furtanen is set for a breakout year. And I compared his stats and his age progression to Cam Neely, Todd Bertuzzi, uh, and I think there was one other guy, I can't remember who I who I used, but uh, yeah, I compared him to three power forwards and they all had similar, you know, struggles early on and then they figured it out at this age. So because of that past article, which, you know, I I did write and I do stand by what I said, I don't know how much of a power forward Jake Vertan is, is all I'm trying to say. Like back then I used to think he was just an underachieving power forward. Now I'm not so sure, um, but... It's a it's a fine line, man. Okay, so I would, what does he have to do to become a power forward? That's a really good question. I'd say... Does he have throwing, to fight more? No, start throwing his weight around more. Like, drive the net harder and don't do that thing where he looks like he's about to drive and then he, picks, he just stops and, like, waits for help. And, yeah. 
You know who's a power forward that no one mentions as a power forward? Hmm. Alex Ovechkin. Oh, that's a good point. Alex Ovechkin throw is like usually like in the top of the league in hits, right? He's yep. always up there in hits. He throws his body around. Yeah. He doesn't fight, but guess what? Because he's from Moscow, not Mimico. Yeah. He never gets mentioned as a power forward. No, you're right. You're right, man. Yeah, I like that. I like that comparison of Alex Ovechkin. See, I, see I can throw around cliches as you good can. as the next one, man. Can, man. That, that, that's my whole thing. I gotta respect it. Okay, so back to your question. I would definitely trade Jake for Tannen, depending on the return. And that's Okay, such so a what's the return? Line. You need to get a first-round pick. And you think you're getting a first-round pick for Jake No, for I don't. But, but you need to get one. But you need to get one. If, so who's, so who's giving up a first-round pick for Jake for Tannen? Oh, don't ask me, man. I have no idea. What's the trade market like right now? I don't know. You're who the you're the guy writing for all these websites. <laughs> you got an article every five minutes. Like you tell me. You know who I think? You know who I've always thought Jake Furtan would really thrive on the wing of Connor McDavid. Oh, okay. And you know Zach Cassian's there right a now. A bit of upgrade on Cassian, yeah. Yeah, like Zach Cassian's there right now, and you know he's 28 and he's due for a big contract. Um, you know I would say. Cass is probably going to get like a five-year deal from Edmonton. Uh, he's really turned, you know, he's turned his life around, which is awesome to see as Canucks fans. Um, but I really, really think that Jake Furtanen on the wing of Connor McDavid, that would be one of the fastest lines in the league. And oh, I absolutely like Jake Furtanen has that strength about him. You know what I mean? Like just, I don't know. I yeah. think, I think he'd be a great fit. So sure. Edmonton, let's say Edmonton gives up a first round pick cause their core is going to get older. Sorry. I touched the mic there. Um, the, their core is getting older. They got dry settle. Who's 23, 24. I want to sure. say. Yeah. No let's idea. Um, and then McDavid, who is 23, I think. And, uh, their core is going to be getting a little older and they obviously want to win. Now they're not going to be looking to draft much else in forms of first round mm. talent. So I would say that, yeah, sure. Like let's just for argument's sake, let's say Edmonton okay. throws a first round pick. Here, here's my rebuttal to Edmonton. Are there any cactus clubs or Earls in Edmonton? Because like Jake Vertan's a big fan of like those high end restaurants. What's the high, is there like a Moxie's there? Like what's the, what's the situation? I have no like idea, that? man. See, if I'm Jake Vertan, I scope that thing out before <laughs> I want to sign in Edmonton long-term. Is there a Cactus Club? Is there? A, there must be an Earl's, but I think Cactus Club is a more like. I'm West sure he'd Coast. check it out. I'm sure he'd yeah. do his research. But so to to conf, like you know to reiterate on my statement, I think it should be something to the degree of a first round pick, but I don't think they're going to get that. So I think the, op the only option really is to hang on to Jake Furtanen because I do think that we kind of, you know, we just said his value is as high as it's going to be right now, mm. but. How high is it really? Do we really know what teams are any teams calling and saying we want Jake Vertanen? You got to give us that Vertanen kid. We'll give you anything. I don't know how high his value is, and I really think it's it's. I really do think it's lower than fans think. I don't think that teams are calling in on Jake Vertanen. If I'm being honest with you, see that's that's your next article. What's the trade out value on Jake Vertanen? Yeah, I'm coming yeah. up. I'm coming up with ideas all the time. You go, you'll get fifteen percent. Yeah, I got fifteen percent on however much you make from an article from Canucks Army. Don't even know, but I'm sure. I'm sure like fifteen percent would be a lot in terms of my bank account. <laughs> so, yeah. what about who would? Okay, so I asked this question to Harmon as well. I'm just essentially copying the questions I asked Harmon to you because I'm very lazy like that. Who is your MVP for the Canucks so far this season? Jacob no. Markstrom. Not named Jake. You didn't let me finish the question. Sorry. Not named Jacob Markstrom because the obvious answer is Jacob Markstrom. It's like on Family Feud when you jump in yeah. really before they finish the question. But yes, it's been Jacob Markstrom, man. But uh, no, other than that, it's Elias Pettersson by far. And it was Elias Pettersson last year if it wasn't Jacob Markstrom. It's no question that Elias Pettersson's the one who drives the bus on this team. Um, 
he is the player that they turn to when they need offense, and he's brought it. He's found new ways to succeed, okay? Like, last year, you know, we saw it. Two goals in his last, what, 22 games? I can't remember off the top Something of my head. Like that, yeah. Something like that. Teams were shutting him down. Teams were zoning in on him. He goes home, says, I need to come back stronger next year. I know what teams are doing. They're scouting me. I need to find new ways to succeed. How does he do that? Throws up a ton Gets of swole. assists. Throws, yeah, throws up a ton of assists, okay? People are all of a sudden... Do you remember at the start of the year, people were talking about, uh-oh, Elise Patterson doesn't look as dangerous anymore. Yeah, uh-oh. I remember that. Isn't he at 20 goals already? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, the kid is just fine. He's found new ways to succeed. Great players like him find new ways to get past their opponents shutting them down, and that's exactly what Pedersen has done this year. And without him, I don't think the Canucks are as high in the standings as they would be if they didn't have him. Okay, so Elias Patterson, MVP. MVP. MVP PD. That's what I like to hear. That's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> see, there's another there's another T-shirt for you guys at Canucks Conversations, man. I think I think honestly, like I'm I'm debating whether to just leave this podcast and become like your marketing coordinator. Like, I'm, just, I'm just full of ideas today. Jesus Christ, <laughs> you are man. man Holy I, shit. Anyways, thanks for uh, thanks for copping on the podcast. I appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. I'm All actually right. glad I get to come out to the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming out, and you're you're coming on next time, right? I'm having you on the record. Oh yeah. Next time I invite you. Okay, on the record. I like that. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Thank you to David Quadrelli for coming on the show. Much appreciated. All right. Let's get to our uh, recurring segments. Our first segment is called Orca Reactions. This is bad. This is very, very bad. All right, Orca Reactions, where we go over the biggest overreactions this week involving the Vancouver Canucks. And my Orca Reaction this week is Nikita Trampkin coming back. Not that I don't want him to come back. Hey, I love Nikita Trampkin in his very few games, in his brief stint with the Vancouver Canucks. Like a shooting star, he graced us with his presence and then disappeared. But I'm interested to see like where he f- he would fit with the Vancouver Canucks if he came back. Now, I know you can, I know you can say like bring him back regardless, but he's got to have he's got he's got to have a he's got to have a spot. Let's not kid ourselves. So, I mean, if Chris Tanev's a free agent after this season, maybe you can you have to move Edler because of the expansion draft. So maybe he has a couple spots there, but. This reaction to say, like, oh, he's come back and, like, he's playing top minutes right away. I don't know if I necessarily buy that. And also, he may not want to come back. He seems like a young guy, just got married, wants to be comfortable in Russia. You know, some KHL team might hand him, you know, a wet bag of cash, and then and then he stays in Russia. But for the most part, I think I would love to see Nikita Trampkin back. But this, But I don't know, like, to say he's come back and playing top pairing minutes right away, I don't. I don't think that's happening. I do not think that's happening. Our second and final recurring segment, you know it. I love it. It's my favorite segment. It's called "Way to Go, Jimmy." Way to go, Jimmy. 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 Way to go, Jimmy.
to them. All right. Way to go, Jim. We chronicle the life and times of one Jim Matheson from the Edmonton Journal. Big J journalist covering the Edmonton Oilers. Only way to put it. Jim Matheson's most recent tweet. Well, it's not recent. It's from the... I felt like it, it was appropriate to bring this one back up. Just because hey, the Battle of Alberta is going to be in a couple of days. Everyone's looking forward to it. And Jim Matheson had to get his taken. Here's his... Uh, here's his... Here's his... Uh, Here's his tweet. Not to be a contrarian, Eric, but Cassian has 28 even-strength points this season, and Kachuk has 26. So as good as Matthew is, and he is a major talent, last time I looked, Kachuk only had 10 total points, 10 more total points, Jim, than Cassian. Good old Jim Matheson stirring the pot. That's what I like to see. He is, as a beat writer for a team, you got to, you know, sometimes stir up controversy. Is Zach Cassian better than Matt, Matthew Kachuk? Well, I think Matt. I think uh, as much as I hated Kachuk Turlin like that, I think he'd put up a few more points if he was playing with Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. And I like Cassian as well, but that's 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 the fact in all this, man. Is just how much how much Cassian's production is tied to McDavid and Draisaitl, right? Is he getting this deal from Edmonton if he's not if he's not looking good on that line? You can argue how many different people can play on that line. But yeah, good old Jim Nasson stirring the pot. That's what I like to see from the king of Edmonton media. Yes, I said it. The king of Edmonton media, Jim Nasson. Once again, this is Nick Bondi, and you are listening to Power of the Towel, hosted on the Next Misconduct and SB Nation. Subscribe to the network. You get this show, obviously, because you're listening to it. You get Silky and Filthy. You get Sipping on 40 and The Quickie. Four shows for a free subscription. I don't know how you can beat that, man. Now I want to end this show on a on a story that I think has that has impacted a lot of people around the sports world. I know this is a I know this is a strictly Canucks hockey podcast, so if you wanna, you know, tune out here, be my guest. But hey, it's my show. I'm gonna talk about what I want. And of course I gotta talk about the death of Kobe Bryant uh yesterday on uh on Sunday. Hey, I'm a hockey fan, but I'm also a sports fan. I love basketball, and we lost one of the we lost one of the best players in NBA history yesterday in tragic circumstances. Is the only way to put it. He was flying in a helicopter with his daughter and some of their teammates, and parents to the Mamba, the Mamba Center, or it was a, it was like a basketball kind of academy that Kobe Bryant had set up. Obviously, his nickname was the Black Mamba, Mamba, for you know any hockey fans who aren't really familiar with Kobe Bryant, but it's is shocking news. Like, this is, I mean, me and my buddies were talking about it afterwards. This is probably the most shocking celebrity death. This, this is something like Michael Jackson, right? This came out of the blue. Oh, shit, Kobe died. Kobe Bryant, I didn't believe it at first. A lot of people didn't believe it at first. I didn't want to believe it. But then a couple other people confirmed it and on, online, and yeah, he's gone. It's shocking. It's just, Kobe Bryant's one of those, one of those figures you just thought it was, it was superhuman, and you know, you you don't expect guys who are like guys or girls like that to you know go out that way. And the, the tragic part to me is he had so much more to give to the to the game of basketball. You know, you, you saw all this stuff for ESPN. He was doing like the detail where he's breaking down plays. Only 
only a way like someone like Kobe Bryant d- could do in just such mat- meticulous manner. Like it was, it was cool stuff to watch. And I mean, you you could argue like, oh, why why are you getting so upset like about someone? There are some people online who say, oh, you shouldn't be. Well, you didn't really know the guy. Well, sports is a bit different than you know. Then, you know, being an actor or being a musician where, and I saw this online, I can't remember who tweeted this, my apologies to them, where an artist or an actor, their art is, you know, almost perfected and done over and over again before you see it. You know, for a sport, for an athlete like Kobe or any high-level athlete, you're seeing them do what they do best live in front of you. And you have to react and react to all these things. And for like, for someone like me, what, what made this this death so tragic is he was this at generations Michael Jordan. You look at all these guys in the NBA and how how affected they were. It's because they all had some sort of connection to Kobe. Whether they played with him, they knew someone who played with him. He was still hanging. He was still going to a bunch of games post retirement. A lot of these guys looked up to Kobe Bryant as the previous generation before looked up to Michael Jordan. Like I'll I'll put it I'll put it this way: Michael Jordan was. I was when he won his last title with the Bulls in '98. I was four years old. For me, Kobe Bryant was this, this, or my generation's Michael Jordan. I mean, in basketball terms, Michael Jordan set the standard for what it means to be a winner in the NBA. He got, he was six and zero in the finals, never lost. Essentially, back to back three peats with the Bulls in the '90s, an unprecedented run of winning, and Kobe came as close as you can get to that. To that standard of winning, he went five. He went made six finals. He went five and one, and he had a three peat as well in the early two thousands with uh, with Shaq and those Lakers teams. Kobe, that that's as close as anyone has gotten to the level that Michael Jordan has set to be an all time winner. And there's also all, tons of others. And you look at like the way they play. There's this great video circulating after Kobe's passing of just like of like Michael Jordan like step back jumper, and then Kobe doing the same thing. Like Kobe Bryant modeled his game so much after Michael Jordan and the, the hard work and dedication you could see he put into the game is something that I think everyone can take into whatever they want to do. It's that mama mentality. It's, it's just putting everything you can and not, and not being outworked by every, anyone. I mean, I was, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I was not the biggest Kobe fan when he was a player. I always thought LeBron was the superior player, but let's not, let's not late, hey, let, sorry, let's not let our sports hate I think in the future. I think what this I think what this Kobe Kobe death teaches us is let's not let our sports hate, you know, get in the way of hating greatness. I think that's my biggest takeaway in terms of a purely sports context. Now, obviously like the life is fleeting is a is a big part of it now, but from sports context, what I take about take from it is let's not let our sports hate quote unquote take away from from watching greatness. Now if you wanna be, you know, I'm thinking of like a Messi Ronaldo scenario, both great players let's not let our hatred or our like for one player cloud our judgment for the other and uh, and kobe and just to go on a different totally tangent kobe was a big supporter of women's sports you know he was he was he said just a couple weeks ago that there's a couple players who can who could play in the dub uh from wnba he could probably play in the nba he was you know you know he was a big supporter of the u.s women's national team was a big supporter of women's sports now i'm sure some people might take that the wrong way given you know kobe bryant's past of course, that incident in Colorado is going to be a big part of his legacy, no doubt. But I, I say at the moment, let's just remember that Kobe Bryant was one of the best basketball players of all time, a fierce competitor, and one of the like I said, one of the best to ever do it. There's one more stat I found that I want to throw out there. Out of all the, 
of the top 10 NBA scorers of all time, only two of them are under 6'8". Those two players were Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Two of the hardest working, most competitive guys in NBA history managed to do that. Once again, this is Nick Bondi on Power of the Towel. Subscribe to the network. Follow me on Twitter at Nick Bondi. Follow the Twitter account for the podcast at Power of the Towel. And thank you for listening. 